Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Vic, for having me. You started it on tap. How, how did this all unfold? Could you take us back and what was the idea and the origin of how that all unfolded? Yeah, I have to put on my memory hat to go back 10 years. Then, you know, 10 years of technology world is like 100 years in the real world. So I'll have to remember and scratch my brain here. But, you know, ultimately, you know, I'm a computer scientist. I, I, I went to school for computer science. I've always been really... Um, you know, attentive to uh, social networks and experiences from from phone apps. And I remember talking with my co-founder back in the summer of 2010, and we we're talking about industries that were inherently social, but not social enough to be more real time, like a Facebook or a Twitter or something like that. And at the time, we were very familiarized with Foursquare, where back then it used to be uh, the app people would check into places and then share them with friends. Yeah. And we thought, you know what, there's a there's just something here that you know I, I don't really care if my co-founder goes to a supermarket or all Walgreens, but I do care if he goes to a restaurant. What did he eat there? What did he drink there? And you know, marrying that idea of that that that, that kind of mindset of what are you doing at a particular location or establishment with the fact that you know uh, uh, beer is a very inherently social activity. And we kind of married those two together. That's where Untapped was was formed. And you know it's crazy I tell this story because everyone assumes that, okay, Greg must've been a really big fan of beer when he first started. And the real answer is no, I really wasn't that big of a beer fan. I just love the idea of marrying two industries, you know, from the social perspective from the location perspective, and then the beer industry together that needed some way to just be disrupted and have a more online presence than a real time presence. Now, of course there were a beer advocate and rate beer at the time, but to me, those always looked at as more archaic older systems where they're more post experience where I went home after I had my beer and I wrote this paragraph about it and I was done. I wanted something in the moment that I could share with friends, make it more social. Uh, and that was kind of the key aspects there. That was how it started in the summer of 2010. I was so riveted by the idea. I had built a prototype in 24 hours that summer. Now it looked like real garbage, to be honest with you, from a visual perspective, but the, 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 the pinnings of what we're trying to accomplish were, were, were completed there. And it was basically, you know, where were you? What were you having? And what did you think? Those were the questions we really wanted to ask the user when they went to, to pour their beer from that perspective. So from there, we kind of launched it in the early September of uh, beta, September of 2010, uh, got some feedback from users and kind of continued to build a platform. And we became beer big lover, big, beer lovers ourselves from using the application and we said you know what if we're going to be big advocates for this platform i bet you it could be bigger on the outside as well people can really gain some knowledge from it so education has always been a big part of what untapped was and still is to this day of educating users about what beers are out there and what tastes you might like from that side so you know again we really weren't into beer we kind of went in with an idea that we thought was going to be an impact to both the community and also the, the beer industry as well but never in a million years did i think that it would get to where it is today 10 years later I believe the team is closing in on about a billion check-ins, which is pretty amazing to see that over the course of 10 years. Um, again, nothing I would never have imagined uh, as I wrote that first couple lines of code back in the summer of 2010. And what was it, Greg, that kind of drove you to, you know, start getting into beer? Like, so was it like the, the game approach of it, of just, uh, I can't wait to check in another one? Or, or, or was it the, the, the beer itself that just started getting you, uh, you know, a taste for it? I think, you know, a, a beer taste and, and the people's experiences changes over time. And the Greg from 10 years ago was someone that did not really like any IPAs or pale ales, was a traditional, like a light lager drinker, uh, like most of people that are getting out of college and that's really all they drink. That's all they have. But I think for me, 
I got to experience a lot of different beers from just viewing people's check-ins across the app and across the world. So there, there's an education perspective. I didn't know that that uh, you know Fat Tire was a beer that was like an amber red. Never heard that before. Where can I find more information about that? My friend said he liked it, so maybe I'll like it from that perspective too. So that whole aspect of our social discovery really kind of pushed the boundaries for me to kind of really kind of bring it to to to. Uh, uh, the whole whole aspect there of, of, of what's happening within the, the culture. So it was a little bit of both, a little bit about me didn't want to discover beer. I wanted to be part of it, but also when the app pushing me to try different things and get outside my comfort zone to really become a beer, big, a big beer fan when it came to those aspects. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that is interesting. Uh, and it, it is interesting just that it's, it's a way that gets people exposed to different tastes and, and different yeah. things. How much of that friend aspect do you think mattered? Like if, if you saw something or a friend, did that carry more weight than, than just a posting from who might, someone who might be a stranger? I think it pays a big impact to, to a user's experience from that side to be able to kind of see and have your friends kind of recommend beers to you for lack of a better word, give your rating and your score and review. And that's where it drives a lot of excitement around it. You know, we see these, uh, you know, big beer magazines and big wine magazines where they have someone that, that you don't know that's well renowned in that field review a product. But, you know, that's obviously very important. Don't want to discount that. But if my friend down the street says, hey, Greg, I've known you for 10 years. You're going to like this beer. Go and try it. I'm probably going to take their advice from that perspective and go try the beer because that person knows me individually. So we want to take an aspect of taking in the whole aspect of friends and recommendations, making it more social to build this kind of portfolio of beers that you may want to try across the board. That's why all the recommendation engines fire up based on what your friends have had, not necessarily what the general public has. That's why when you go to a beer page on the app, you see a, a highlight section, which is all of your friends and what they've thought about the beer first before everyone else has to really showcase the fact that social graph or that social network to provide you better uh, information about the beer itself. Right. Greg, can you give us a little idea from the, how you got from the first 24 hours of designing this to from that point to when you were like, okay, this is a real thing. What, what did that look like? What was day one to day maybe two years out? Yeah, we, well, back in 2010, if you remember, that was really the, the, the start of the craft beer revolution. So we knew we were kind of got lucky in a sense where we started on the same time that craft beer became a more popularized item in the United States. Um, but really, you know, it started to take off in November of that year. So October, we launched um, officially. In November, it really took off. And we got a, a few publications on uh, a couple internet uh, magazines and tell people about it. They were pretty prominent in that age. And I remember, you know, uh, that night when they published the story, I had to like basically wake up at one in the morning and like fix the servers because it was just people were going on all the time trying to sign up for their accounts, checking in their beers. But really, you know, that was a big moment there. But when I walked into a local bar that I, I remember in New York, a place called Rattle and Hum that no longer is there, unfortunately, and I saw two people at the end of the bar and they had that yellow glow of their, of their screens on their faces. And I had no idea who these people were. And at that moment, that was probably in December or January that I knew that we had something that was, was going out that random people were using it at this bar that I had no idea who they were. And it was a great, great moment, great experience. And we just started seeing the app continue to grow in popularity from there. Even so that Sam Adams wanted to... Uh, do a sponsored badge uh, for us within the first three months of us launching. So they're a huge brand and coming to this small little company from two people that are working basically in their parents' basement to want to be able to advertise on there because they searched for their own brand on Twitter and saw all the untapped check-ins there. That was a pretty amazing feat. So a combination of all those three efforts there kind of gave us the inclination that this is not going away anytime soon. And we continue to grow year over year. I think the first five years before we merged with uh, Next Glass in 2016, we were able to go about 3 million users from with no 
no money on advertising and nothing just on pure word of mouth uh, from zero to 3 million in, in, in that time period. So it was an amazing kind of feed and very happy and honored to be part of it to, to, to see it all the way through. Being in that bar and seeing the yellow glow must have been the equivalent of maybe a, a rock star hearing his song on the on the radio for the first yes, time, right? Absolutely, that's a great way to look at it. From my perspective, you know, I'm a small town person. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not from a Google or Twitter or Facebook. I'm just a regular engineer that saw a mean for a product in the in the market, and it's actually working in this this product market fit. And I think that's really where it came down to kind of that moment. Aha. We got something here. And yeah, th from there, we tried our best to do whatever we can to continue to grow it. And uh, you know, ultimately, it turns to be a pretty successful story. Well, and, and you know, you, you just, you, you refer to yourself as a regular engineer, but, um, <laughs> but, but I'm thinking maybe there's some extraordinary, you know, extraordinary talents there too. Because do you feel, was it, it, was it just the, the concept and people just gravitated towards wanting to, to check in beers at bars? Or, you know, I think part of what lends itself is your the design elements and, and what you created probably, I guess it's the combination, but I don't know if you have a feeling of what was, what was the stronger uh, driver of, of people adopting Untapped. Yeah, I mean, at the early onset, I didn't think it would be as successful. I could think about it 10 years ago, we're voluntarily asking people to say they're drinking an alcoholic beverage in a certain location. That seemed kind of taboo to me for people actually sharing their content. Nowadays, people share way worse things than that. Right, right. So, uh, you know, I, I was a little apprehensive at first, but I think what made us different and made us more approachable is that number one, the app was meant for more of a quick kind of action. Take a picture, you add where you're located, you add a comment, review, you're done. While the other uh, markets, the stuff in the marketplace for more long form content that were more, um, you know, you had to write novels about beer and, you know, it was, it was, it was not as accepting community as Untap was. Whether you're getting into it from just starting out or whether you're an expert, we welcome kind of everyone from that perspective. Whether you enjoyed the macro beers or the micro beers, we wanted your input from that perspective. So I think that allowed everyone to kind of come to the equation and really kind of be involved. In addition, in the early days, we were actually just a mobile web application, not a traditional app that you see on phones today. It also helped us significantly grab attention as well because we were mobile design and mobile first. So the our competitors on the market markets are not really formatted for that way. They're more desktop oriented experiences. So it doesn't matter if you're on an iPhone, a Blackberry, an, uh, an Android, you were able to use Untapped on day one, which was pretty significant in the market from that side uh, in terms of gaining users. But you touched on the last part of, of your question there is that the design, the user experience, it's meant for simplicity, ease of use. When we first launched, we had no ratings. It was just simply, what are you having? What do you think about it? And where you're at? And we obviously graduated a lot in that aspect there, but simplicity had always been the name of the game for making it more popular. You know, real complex nature in terms of, you know, uh, writing a novel. You don't have to add a review if you don't want to. If you just want to use it just to log what beer you had, that's fine too as well. So I think a lot of it has to do with kind of simplicity of it, the openness and the able to kind of uh, use that data in more of a social way to me, see what your friends are drinking, what's popular in your area. Those are the kind of the key thing that I think struck a chord with users to, to gain popularity. Yeah. So, so what did lead to, what was the next evolution, um, you know, that kind of led to even the ratings part of it? Yeah, people were asking, how, people were putting in the comments like one, like five out of five or two out of three. And we're like, you know what? We should probably add this as a native feature into the app so people can rate their, their beers and not have to use the comment box for it. Um, because at the time, we had a limitation of number of characters. We were kind of marrying off of Twitter. At the time, it was 140 characters. That's what we're using for the character count. So we don't want to take that away from their experience of, of, of adding a review. 
So okay. we added added in uh, the first iteration was a one to five ratings, uh, uh, whole numbers, no uh, no quarters or halves or everything like that. So just one to five, and that kind of started out with the um, our first iteration with that rating. And then obviously we moved to half to half star ratings, so it was one point five to you know all the way up. And then we went to quarter ratings uh, probably a couple of years ago, and we actually have tenth ratings for uh, some of the users that are a part of our premium accounts can rate on a tenth scale. So it's definitely grown in in in, in in complexity, but remember it's only out of five. We never wanted to increase outside of like the one to 100 or one to 10 or anything of that nature. We kept it very simple because we felt that people could resonate one to five better than one to 100. I don't think most common beer drinkers cannot determine between a 95 and a 96, but you can definitely determine between a four and a five. And that's why we actually put these things in more meaningful ways to have a better impact for all types of users coming on the platform. Right, I guess everything is relative too. Yes. You know, even for a person. So you, you yep. take that into account. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you've made a lot of good, you know, business decisions. And maybe this latest one is, you know, is, is maybe the best one of all. But but even backing up to, you know, we kind of talked about how it, how uh, Untapped had grown. But uh, if you go back, um, not so much from, from the number of users, but even from, for your team. So it, it started off with, with the two of you in a basement. Mm -hmm. And, and what was... <laughs> What was what was that growth, you know, like? When did when did a third uh, employee number three kind of come on board, and and how'd you grow all that that led up to being acquired? Yeah, so uh, you know, for that first five and a half years, we were essentially a, a team of two. We didn't really grow in, in in that aspect. There, we were doing it part time. My co-founder's in California. I'm in the I'm in New York at the time, so you know, we're just kind of grinding away as much as we can. I remember numerous times, you know, obviously answering a lot of support tickets from users. Everyone's like, oh my God, the co-founders responding to my, my my ticket here. You guys must have a million people in your company and this guy's taking the time to respond. And I'm always like, you know, I appreciate the uh, the uh, the, uh, the the that thought there, but we're team of TF2 trying to get this working. I remember there are times people like, oh, I'd love to get a tour of, of untapped headquarters. And I'm like, my wife was like, you're not going to have people come into our apartment in New York City to take a tour of, of your office, from a lack of a better word. So uh, it, it's been an amazing, amazing time just in terms of user growth, but just the company size has remained the same. And then when that acquisition came back in 2015, uh, moving into that full-time role, we moved from a team of two to a team of 14 for the entire company. There were 11 that, or 13, 12 that were part of that company beforehand. So that was a major kind of change from that perspective. We have more than just one person, uh, more than two people working on the project from that perspective. And we grew from that 14 uh, people up to about 225 uh, in the course of the, that year uh, with people coming in and out. So it's just an amazing thing to kind of you know, look back as, as, as I left the company earlier this year and many people come up to me and say, look, you know, really appreciate all the hard work. I wouldn't have a career at this company if it wasn't for your idea. And that's kind of a weird thing to think about. I never thought of it from that perspective. I always thought about like, oh my gosh, amazing opportunity for me uh, to be able to work on it full time. But actually this idea fostered careers and people a livelihood from that perspective. And that's something that I'm incredibly fortunate and thankful for the opportunity to be able to do. So it's definitely been a, a crazy experience for sure growing up at, as a whole in, in this 10 years, but ultimately being able to get back to the community, to get back to the uh, to our employees to, to, to do these things is, the most, is a really cool thing. And that is, you know, to me anyway, I think it's super impressive. You know, so usually people will talk about maybe it's the number of downloads, the, the number of check-ins, but to go from two to, to 24 to over 200, you know, employees, that's, that's um, th that part's impressive as well. 
Yeah, it's just one of those things where I, I've always been a proponent of building products for the community. I, I'm not the, you know, I always tell my my staff and, you know, the time that I'm like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a beer celebrity or somebody out there. I'm a regular person that loves beer just like everybody else, you know, and, and the mentality that I have for what, what I do is that, yes, I'm a founder of a company, but I also want all the fellow employees also to feel like they're a founder of the company too, within their own aspects. And that what creates a really good environment for people working together and building successful things. We want to be judged by the character of who we are as individuals and be transparent with our users and be very up, upbeat as opposed to the, you know, the bigger companies of the world that don't really care any about users. Like I, I actually know a lot of user ID numbers of our, our loyalist fans. Like I know they're not their ID on the database because I, I communicate and I'm, I, I see the check-ins. I, I communicate from that perspective. I'm very passionate about that aspect as well. I think that goes a long way to show you how a company is all about uh, and not just like you said, concerned about revenue and profits and all that stuff. We're making a product that we believe as silly as it sounds, it will change the world. And I think we've definitely changed the way that beer has been consumed, been picked off of shelves and also been able to share it among friends. And I'm pretty happy with that, with that kind of history. Oh, you definitely have, right? It's you're synonymous almost with the, with the community now. It's, mm. it's hard to, it's hard to separate the two. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, this, that's an interesting part about me kind of departing as well. I think, you know, I, I, Untap's been literally tattooed on my head for a lack of a better word for the last 10 years. You know, for myself, I, I you know, uh, stepping down, I, I never intended to just separate myself from the brand from that perspective, just separate myself from the day-to-day -day operation within the company and stuff like that. So I, that's that's why I'm talking to you guys. That's why I'm talking to all people. I, I still believe in the brand. I still believe in what we're trying to accomplish at the company is. And while I'm not part of that day-to-day, -day, I'll be an evangelist for, for the platform because I believe that there's a lot of potential that still has to come to make it even a better thing for the community as well. Yeah, that vision will be important. Um, mm. one, one thing I did want to ask, Greg, the role of, of moderators, right? That, that, was, that was something that seems like it probably helped, you know, mm. with, with growing the, the community. But how did that whole idea start? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, we wouldn't be anywhere out where we are today or Untap wouldn't be where they are today without the moderators. It's a huge part of our community and it's a huge part of the way that we continue to move forward. So it started in December of 2010, so about three months after we launched, we realized that I couldn't simply just take help requests every day and change database manually for edits and merges. Very time-consuming process. So we built out a lot of tools for moderators to edit and merge and delete kind of content because of the open adding system. Obviously, you gain your database really quickly, but obviously you're also talking about people drinking beer at the same time that they're checking in. So you have tons of mistakes all across the board of spelling mistakes and all those fun things there. So for us, uh, they're a huge part of what Untapped is all about, and and they are, are driving us for being our their brand ambassadors. They're the ones that tell their friends about it. So I, last I checked, we're around 300 or 400 uh, plus moderators all around the world um, that that volunteered their time to go through the system and edit beers and merges and uh, place information. So I think that's a huge testament to the power of Untapped and that people will find it valuable to be part of this community and part of this, this moderator community. And I'm incredibly thankful for them to be dedicating their time to, to do these things. Who came up with that idea? Was it just- Was it out of necessity or, or- Yes, absolutely. Was, was it planned? <laughs> No, definitely was not planned. Uh, it was out of necessity. We were getting so many edit requests for individual beers. And I was the only one to be able to make those changes and how to do them manually in the system. So it's built out a necessity where we needed to have a system in place that allowed us to make more uh, changeable edits, have an audit log for beers and all that fun stuff to make sure that we're able to continue with the growth of the application. And, you know, I built these tools for myself to be able to do them, but I, I also realized that it would be great to have some of these people that are highly dedicated, uh, that are really passionate about the industry and about untapped be kind of the, the forefront 
to be able to be moderators and to help us grow. So, you know, we had a bunch of people that we were kind of in communication with that were uh, submitting a lot of uh, uh, tickets, help tickets about changes. They group them all in one batch and they put them all in one ticket. We kind of reached out to them to, Hey, we'd like to try being a moderator with us and here are the weirdest way to do it. And that's kind of grown from there to being a full featured system for merging, editing, deletions all across the board uh, for all types of actions, refreshing ratings, and you know, just being advocates for the, for the brand and, and, and questions. And they even put a little moderator uh, swash tag on their individual kind of profile. People know that they are a moderator. Now this, this idea is not unique to Untapped. There's tons of these things in other networks as well. And the four squares, the Facebooks of the world, they all have these moderators. But what we want to do differently is really involve them in the whole company from that perspective. We feel, we, you know, while we couldn't pay them at the time, um, you know, and they're not paid right now, they're all volunteer volunteers. We wanted them to feel like they're part of this as much as we are. And I think that they did a amazing job to dedicate their time for it. So I, I always include them in a lot of conversations, a lot of the, 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 uh, the, the features that we want to do. They're, they're good beta testers. They get good feedback. So they're very important to the success of Untapped for sure. I hope they continue that way in the future. But that's the reason why they got brought on was simply because we, we got so many requests for these edits and merges that we need to have tools to be able to do this in a team to help us with it. Certainly, I think that that's maybe another, another kudos to the design or everything that you have a group that large of people that want to get involved, you know, and volunteer their own time just to make something uh, that's going to be used and appreciated by so many others. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of those things where I feel that, um, you know, you have to give users the opportunity to kind of contribute to your site in a meaningful way. And if you give enough people the opportunity to turn it to be great people that can be helpful to put your brand forward. I mean, we, you know, we, we should, we, every year we'll send out t-shirts to our moderators and give them kind of a little bit of a swag pack and discounts on our merch store. Uh, I think it's a really important thing to have them part of it. And I really always tell this to them is that we wouldn't be here or on top wouldn't be here without, without them. So it's a really important feature of what we do. Now you've kind of taken a hero's journey here. Is there any, was there any part of this process where maybe things came a little long? You know, I'm sure it wasn't smooth sailing for, for 10 years. Oh, no. Oh. Well, people tell you that it was smooth sailing and they're lying to you. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a constant battle, uh, especially with scaling and growing. I'll never forget the story. I always tell this example is that we, you know, obviously are a non-typical or untapped non-typical app where it usually has very high rates of users on Fridays and Saturday nights where other sites will have the inverse where it's a Monday through Friday kind of application. And for us, um, we had had issues of scaling with people hitting our servers and using the app on those nights that would kind of bring us down. And I was flying out to Portland, Oregon from New York to speak at a conference um, uh, in the early 2013-14 area. And my, my co-founder is more of a designer, not a technical person. So literally all that stuff kind of falls on me um, to make sure that things are working. And the server started crashing while I'm on the runway. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can't do a damn thing. Uh, I have to pay for this plan to get it up into the air. I have to, you know, figure this out because I can't talk through this with my co-founder because he doesn't really have the, the skill sets for that. And as we're pulling out to the runway uh, to get off, I'm like, all right, we'll be up in the air about maybe a minute and a half. I'll get on the thing. I'll find it out and I'll get it ready to go. The plane turns around and has to go back to the, the, the gate because there was a, a malfunction with some of the equipment. And at that time, you know, back then, no, cell phones weren't allowed at any point of, of the of the air on, when you're on there. So I'm like, I'm freaking out here because basically I have to pull this together, get the service back up, but the plane needs to get in the air to do that. And I can't do that because I'm just sitting on the actual plane itself. So unfortunately, I was there for about an hour, an hour and a half. So we were having a lot of downtime issues, sporadic content. And finally, when the plane took off, I logged in, it took me about 20 minutes to fix the issue, went through, we're back up and running. 
I land in Portland around 1 a.m., which is around 3 or 4 o'clock Eastern where I'm from. And that whole night, I'm like thinking about, I can't do this. I could, this has got to be, we got to fix this problem. Like we can't have me be the solely person to kind of help with the scenario. I can't go everywhere with a backpack on me, everywhere I say, try to fix the problem. So from that moment on, we really took a proactive approach to scaling and infrastructure and making sure that we're supporting stuff. We, we kind of work with the right people, right partners, right cloud providers, you know, giving our, our situation what we needed to get done. Um, you know, a lot of contractors came in, a lot of people that we knew helped us to get us to where we need to be. So it was just a, you know, New Year's Eve was another one of those things. I still owe my wife like five New Year's Eve because in the beginning, like I had to like leave dinner or leave or not go out because the service will crash. So it is, it is very, uh, um, you know, crazy early days, but that's, that's kind of a startup. You, you know, we're two people trying to make something work. Those are good problems to have. You still want to have them so much that it becomes unstable enough that no one needs to use it anymore from that side itself. Plus we had this mantra where people thought that we were like a, a fortune 500 company. And we were just like all these people here because of the quality we put out and of the users that were using it. People just thought that we were a well-funded, you know, startup or whatever. We're just two guys self-funding this and bootstrapping it. So that's another great problem to have, but also expectations from a user side are a little bit higher from that perspective on uptime and response to time and stuff like that. So, you know, all in all, it was never, never hundred percent smooth sailing, smelling, but we're always talking about improving and getting better and, and really trying to take it to the next level with all those issues so that we don't have to worry about um, these type of things in the future uh, as we grew. But you know, we're obviously much more stable now and, and, and a lot more environment, a lot more people to help with that scenario. But in the early days, it was just a, a good problem to have, but a poor experience for the user from that side. It was only a poor experience on certain little short yeah. windows of time. For the <laughs> well, most that, part, that, things, things were working very well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, untaps a beer app. So it's going to be busy from five, six, seven to like around uh, 10 or 11. The funny thing is the majority of users that we have in our, our system are Central and, and Eastern time. It was really interesting how that worked. Like, you know, seven o'clock on a Friday would be way busier than 10 o'clock on a Friday on the Eastern time, even though that was right when the Pacific people were going into it. My, my personal view of this is that there's a, a wider time zone net of Europe and UK and Eastern time frame that pushes that value up. You know, Saturdays at 4 p.m. are the most traffic time for untapped in terms of beer drinking activities. If you think about it logically, 4 a.m. is at 1 p.m. afternoon drinking in the East Coast. That's around six, uh, eight or nine o'clock on the on the in Europe, and you have your 4 p.m. dinner time ish in the Central and you and Eastern. So that's the heaviest time period. So we had to learn all those things. We got to go through the what, what when we have to scale, when we have to kind of build from that perspective, and that's really what you know the the, the passion and drive to kind of continue to do that. And it's a experience you know i went to school for this stuff i'm not like a went to school for like you know you know uh, musical theater or something like that and end up developing code like this is what they taught you in school but they don't teach you how to scale for millions of users they teach you how to scale for like 10 people and they give you you know 10 points off for not putting a semicolon at the end of something but the point is that you you learn through the experiences you persevere you add it to your kind of toolkit and you learn how to make it better from, from the future i think you know we were fortunate to, to have a lot of failure in the beginning and then be able to pick ourselves up and have a lot of success at the end how about the, the international aspect when when was do you remember your first international user and, and, and when did when did that start to really take off outside of the US? Yeah, I would say it started off after year three, which is credible. It's still pre-acquisition um, uh, of us and pre-growth at a larger scale. We had about five or 10 moderators that were coming over to us that were submitting requests from New Zealand and, and uh, Tokyo and UK and Germany. And you know, I knew it was a kind of a big thing when I log in in the mornings, when I get into kind of looking at how we did last night 
and there were tons of check-ins ha check happening at like 9 a.m. Eastern time. So like, yeah, I mean, obviously maybe some of them were from last <laughs> night, they're checking in, but I, a lot of them are from foreign places people were checking into. So I had an inkling that it was growing over there. And the crazy thing about all this is that, uh, you know, there's a large distribution of, of people out there that are from outside the United States using the app. And we've done zero in terms of advertising or, or anything else from grabbing those attentions over nationally. So it's just basically been a huge grassroots movement to move, to excite people, to move them across that board, to, to get them on there. I think the the commonality between all that, and you probably have encountered this within your line, is that beer transcends countries, you know, cultures, everyone knows what a, what beer is. It's not a like, you know, here on the East Coast, we, you know, have a Shake Shack and on the West Coast, they have, five, uh, you know, uh, In-N-Out and we always compare those two things as what's the bigger burger place. But beer is everywhere. Whether the beer brands are there are different, but beer is all done differently in every culture and every community and every country. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of latch onto the Untapped platform. And there really wasn't anything in that, in the aspect of in real time, in the moment, social exposure. And that's where the international brand attached to that so it's pretty interesting has any of the companies ever come to you and said hey we don't want the individual people's data but like some of the time shift when people are checking in did anybody ever say to you hey we we'd like to we'd like to buy that that underlying data not the people obviously but the the elements of the like what you said about the west coast and and, and mm -hmm. those types of timing elements yeah, I mean, ultimately, we always believe long term, um, you know, in the short term, there are obviously many ways to monetize the application with, you know, our sponsored content, our badges, stuff like that. We've always felt that uh, the data aspect, the insights is the most valuable piece of what's happening within the Untapped brand. Uh, yeah, I can't speak to what's happening currently, but I, I can say that ultimately um, that's something they're definitely looking into and definitely wanting to pretend a to, to, to purse that market. I think it's such a valuable asset to all walks of life from brewers. You know, people pay millions and millions of dollars for focus group testing for beers. We can provide that data to you relatively inexpensively and relatively in, in an area where you, you find value. And even on the low end, low breweries that are, are, are not as big as the regional ones or the national ones, they can still sign and find some value out of their out of the, the, the data they have. So I think that there's a, there's a wide market for that in terms of the, the scale of people looking to obtain that. And obviously we're close to a billion check-ins from that perspective there. There, there's a vast number of data points to look at from whether time of day, whether it's, you know, weather conditions, potentially, I'm just spitballing some things here. Is it people drink more stouts when it's darker outside or more, you know, a lot of things you can kind of, kind of parlay from the yeah. data itself, uh, I think provides a lot of value. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the team comes up with from a product from that perspective in the future. I think it'd be very valuable to all types of breweries. That fits kind of the vision of what Untapped is. We've never meant to be an app catered toward craft beer fans. We meant to be an app for all beer fans across the board. So hopefully in the future, when they offer these kind of insights projects, it's not geared toward you know the, uh, the the top five breweries and the rest of the country can't really get to do anything. It's a more welcome product that everyone can use no matter what size you are because the data coming out of that is way more valuable from every aspect there. Just, I, I would think just a mass trial and repeat study would mm -hmm. be interesting, right? Just pulling that data. Yes. Did someone try it and did they try, not, not the individual person, but did an individual, did a person out there try this beer and did they try it again? And when was the next time they tried it? Yeah. There, like there's that. so many questions that we can ask such as, Hey, um, you know, 
I'm opening up a cidery. Where in the U.S. is a great spot to open up a cidery that has the most amount of users that like cider uh, and rate it high? I mean, that that's a very standard question. I believe that Untapped can provide those answers from 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 the data that's being sourced from there. So I think that's a huge aspect that um, that you're going after. That hopefully they'll be able to provide a good product in the future. What do you think of some of the happenings? I know you you said you you know you weren't coming in as a as a beer expert, but what do you think mm -hmm. about some of the things like the seltzer and the non-alcoholic and some of the things mm -hmm. that are ha happening in in the beer category? I think it's taken a lot of people by storm. I mean, it, it, very surprising. And I, I look back to about 2015 when hard root beer was the thing back then. Not Your Father's Root Beer was one of the most famous, um, you know, explosion products. They were literally, you know, being checked in thousands of thousands of times a day and they just died off. And I think that people look at that as like, why did it die off? You know, there wasn't a lot of uh, expansion around there. There wasn't a lot of breweries hopping on that train. There's only one brewery that was doing a lot in there and it was just something different. It never been kind of explained before, but it didn't take off and have a long, a longevity to it because it was just a regular product that didn't have any expansion on it. Well, with hard seltzer and non-alcoholic beer, there's various things you can do with that. You can do different flavoring when it comes to hard, hard seltzer. In addition, hard seltzer is an existing product out there. People drink every single day. So you're also bringing in a new type of person to the beer community or the beer world with new products that they're are tailored to them. In addition, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's health conscious. You know, you, people see these slim cans that have this kind of, uh, you know, almost like a lure effect of this is a very more upscale premium product that has a better benefits, low sugar across the board. I don't, I'm not a, a nutritionist, but I can't imagine these drinks being more healthy for you. So you have to look into that for that year. But I think a lot of people navigate to that stuff because it's just something that is different and more exciting and uh, just whole new new product line that can be put in maybe you want uh that kind of you're at a party and all they have is beer and you want that kind of uh kind of uh mixed kind of drink feel but you don't want a, a 10 percent vodka and cranberry at a party you want to drink a can like everybody else and that's where it drives a lot of that attention i think the non-alcoholic one is the most exciting part for me because growing up my grandfather used to always drink oduls and it was like an old, old person's drink. And, you know, you, your grandfather, grandfather's drink, and it wasn't exciting. And, you know, growing older and trying it, it was, it was like, I, I was like, this is horrible. Like, what is, what is this? And I think that as people grow up and get older and myself, like I'm not the 22 year old kid anymore in college that could, you know, have a few IPAs at night and then, you know, go to bed. I've got two kids running around. I can't be wasted pretty much all the time. You know, I've got responsibilities, right? So I think non-alcoholic beverages, when they're done right, like athletic brewing company does a really good job with this, yeah. um, that are high flavor, have the same experience hey, without the kind of bad stuff of alcohol and the hangovers you potentially get. It's a huge, huge benefit to a lot of people that are more athletically con conscious about the things that they do. And I think that that is a huge area that people are, are lashing onto that I, I expect to grow in, in the next com com couple of years and see how that, that, that folds. But again, those two things, hard seltzer and non-alcoholic are geared toward more of the health conscious, the differentiating the kind of benefits to uh, your own health and your exposure and being able to, to drive. Heineken is, is, is doing amazing things with their, their non-alcoholic beer as well, and not just the small ones. Yeah. So just curious to see how that kind of grows in that area as we get outside, it's like, oh, duels kind of like non-alcoholic view. Um, you know, I think we, I talked to some of the guys at Athletic a lot and they said, you know, um, we're not, we're advertising, we're not alcoholic, but we want people to look at us as a regular beer and compare it as such. So the same way that gluten-free beer used to be the, the sense that there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, gluten-free beer is not very good. Well, they don't want to be a gluten-free beer. They want to be called a beer and that is gluten 
no gluten inside of it. The same thing with alcohol. They want to be a non-alcoholic beer. They want to be a beer with no alcoholic added to this particular brew. And they want to be judged that way. I think that's the approach that Athletic has taken things there. And that's why they're getting successful because they're making a high quality product without the effects of alcohol from that side. So I think it's, it's, it's a pretty major shift in the market and uh, interesting to see how it will fold out in the next couple of years. Yeah, we're big fans of Athletic Brewing. They've been on the podcast and, you know, I live about uh, 15 minutes from them. I, I, it's amazing what they've done versus the old duels. Mm, yeah. And, and I do think of it as a... Yeah, and, me uh, too. I was up in on vacation. Mike heard this story, but I was up on vacation in, in Massachusetts and there was a sign that said free beer. And this guy, and it was actually, it was a sampling for, for Athletic. The, the local rep was sampling it there. Yeah. He gave me a can and I'm drinking it in the car and I felt like I was breaking the law. <laughs> you know, I'm like, this. I've never done this in my life. And, and my wife's like, well, it doesn't have alcohol. And I go... Yeah, but it really, I feel like I'm drinking a beer right now. I don't feel like I'm drinking a soda or drinking a water. Yeah. Well, that's also too, like, you know, it helps them with the pandemic and their growth, right? You can ship that thing everywhere in the country because it doesn't have to go through the alcohol laws like you normally have. It's a huge benefit to their business model to be able to be, you know, not have to have everyone just come to their location and grab it. They can just order it online in Amazon-like fashion and bam, it's in your door the next couple of days. So that's a a big thing. Our houses and we, uh, when we were on the podcast with them, we were able to drink it. So it's it's pretty amazing. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. We, we do enjoy it. I guess the other thing we end up seeing, Greg, from our perspective with, you know, with our craft beer league is Run Wild IPA is one of the beers in the craft beer league. So we get yep. we get to see the actual numbers week after week. And, uh, yeah, nice. and there's a lot of people that agree with everything we're saying. Uh, yeah. you, you do see the growth happening with that one beer. Absolutely. What's next for you? This is, this is an amazing journey that you've been on. Yeah. And, uh, just creating something out of like an idea that you had is, is, it's just amazing. <laughs> One, yeah. What are you thinking about for like a second act here? Is there, is there anything <laughs> currently crazy things that, 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 you know, many people in their life don't have the opportunity to have an idea like this and have it stick and then also be acquired and then also work on it in a full-time fashion with hundred plus employees. Like that trajectory is just something that, that continuously slices the onion and, and the percentages go down from, from product. So I'm incredibly humble and fortunate to be able to go through this whole process. And one thing I've learned a lot about this in the last, especially in the last year with COVID is just understanding a little bit more about myself. And that's kind of why I stepped away in January where I wanted to spend more time with family and wanted to kind of see what the next, next chapter for me looks like. I put a lot of blood, sweat and tears over this for the last 10 years and you have done amazing things and don't regret anything from what we're doing. But, you know, from my perspective, it's, it's all about kind of self, self-preservation, looking at yourself and seeing what you want out of it. And I felt that, uh, you know, it was a time for me to move on and see what else I'd be able to do in terms of what's next. I, I don't really know at this time. Like I've, you know, I've obviously stepped out about a month ago. I've been spending a lot of time with the family. It's very odd. I've never had this kind of much time in my life in the last 20 years and being able to wake up in the morning, play with my kids and kind of go, go from that perspective there. So I'm not sure. I, I, I think that my next opportunity will still kind of have the same elements of what Untapped is all about, which is community driven applications and building out uh, products and services that are used in a high level from a consumer perspective. I'm definitely not going to be going into, you know, uh, healthcare or anything of that nature, although they probably could use some help there. Uh, but for the most part, I really believe in building uh, community driven products for a larger set of, of people. And that's kind of what I'll look 
look for my next opportunity. But right now, taking it very slow and trying to see what's out there. Just be casual about it and just uh, you know see what's next for me. But again, I, I can't I can't thank the team enough at Untap for allowing me to transition out of this out of this role and being able to kind of support me from this endeavor uh, as they move into the next chapter of the company's career. But it's just been an amazing ride, and I you know you can't really you look back and you're just kind of amazed at how quickly it kind of rose. I mean, 10 years as an app is, is pretty significant. Instagram is all, just turned 10 years. So like we're the same kind of level of Instagram perspective, but while not as big, it's amazing how we've been able to grow from that right. perspective to get there. So that's pretty amazing. Greg, we really appreciate you being on the podcast today. My pleasure. Uh, you know, congratulations on all your success and, and seeing you. this and, and creating it out of nothing is just uh you know, well, Mike and I are trying to do the same thing and we realize how hard it is, you know, it's, it's, I have a full appreciation for just how, what well, one, how creative this was, but also how hard it must have been just two people for a long time doing this and owning it the way you have. It's, it's something to be really proud of. Yeah. Thank you. I think when it comes down to it, you know, you mentioned it is hard. And I think that the most valuable thing I got out of it is I was motivated by the community and people that love the product every single day. That's what kept me going. That's what keeps me going every day is that what you're, what you're building and what you put out there is, is making someone happy. And, you know, yes, there are going to be many nights that I was working 80 hour weeks and my wife's a saint and she's really a saint and all those things. And uh, uh, yeah, I think when it comes down to it is that you can get burnt out pretty quickly from these things. But I think that keeping that mindset focused that you're doing this for the community and, and, and pouring through and nothing is really impossible. Um, you can get a good, good perspective out of that. And that's what we'll be able to accomplish with intent. Yeah, well, that's certainly impressive. And, uh, Thank you. Really uh, we're, we're impressed and certainly admire it too. And yeah, I think there's probably tons of lessons, obviously tons of lessons you've learned, but mm. you know, some of the things there in terms of design and, and simplicity and, and not trying to do too much, you know, yep. we're, we're also, you know, lessons that, for others to learn from. So absolutely. And you don't have to quit your job to work on a project yep. like this. Before, I, I remember, you know, just a small antidote here. I remember we tried to raise some funds early in Untapped Days. Everyone said to us, oh, you're not dedicated on this project because you're not working on it full time. You know, we had families. We can go on the ramen noodle kind of diet, for lack of a better word, to do that. So, you know, a lot has changed in the VC world since then, but that was the kind of feedback we got. And I always tell people, you know, you don't have to quit your day job to work on like a side project. You can work on it nights and weekends, see if it takes off. And if it does, and you're one of those people, then you can kind of go forward with it. It's kind of like the NCAA, you know, kind of a sports methodology where like not every single person goes pro in their own sport. You can maybe don't get anywhere with that particular startup, but it helps you in your career in your next opportunity. I got my first job in, in, in programming uh, at, at ABC News in New York City. And my boss was a huge Untapped fan and turned his laptop around the interview and asked me that I made this. I said, yeah, he goes, when can you start? So it can open up doors for you, uh, <laughs> even though you don't even expect it. In, in your area if you work on something like this and be passionate about it so i definitely recommend taking that approach as opposed to you know going the other routes we're gonna embrace that advice uh we're we're in mid-season right now but what we'll do is when the uh new season ramps up we'll definitely send you an invite you can be a commissioner of your own league or you can join nice. an open you can or you can joke <laughs> uh, you know so you can have your uh, an untapped or whatever you want to do from a commissioner standpoint, or we have an open league where you can compete against the masses. So you can do either. Nice. So uh, Very we'll, cool. we'll make sure to uh, send you that in the next couple of weeks. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Greg, thank, thank you, so you much Greg. for joining us today. Thank really you guys so much. It. Appreciate the, uh, the support. And all the best to you. Thank you. Yeah, best Thanks, of luck guys. in the new chapter.
All right. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.